Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Crossroad Podcast, podcast all about sports in Indiana. It was a very rough weekend for Indiana sports, both in the USL and the NFL. To be able to get a better look on this from outside the state, we're going back to Tom over across the pond. Once again, Tom can be found at Indy11UK, TomCU86 on Twitter, and is co-host of the Q the Smoke podcast. Tom, welcome back. So having us. Very, very rough weekend for Indiana sports in general, with the Indy 11 taking a 2-0 loss on Saturday, and then the Colts losing 27-24 Sunday. Which one would you like to start off with? Um, I would do Indy 11 first, seeing as there was a Saturday game. Let's jump back to Saturday. The Indy 11 hosted the first game against Louisville here going into the end of the year. Had two games earlier on in the season. One was a 2-1 win under Martin Rennie. And then Max Rogers' second game as head coach. We go down to Louisville, 3-3 draw. We're looking to try to, you know, match one of those two very specific Endings. Yeah. Saturday, 9-11, Indy 11 plays for Kansas City, gets a 1-0 win. Midweek, they have a friendly with Chicago, the Chicago Fire. And then we move on to Saturday with Louisville coming into town. What were your thoughts going into the game? Uh, it was always going to be difficult just because Louisville have been good again this season, running away with the division at the moment. Um, but then we did, we did have two two good results against them earlier on in the season, so I was kind of hoping that it was going to be a matchup that uh, favoured us a little bit, but wasn't to be. Um, we I thought we started the first half quite well, um, but then Louisville got that breakaway goal just before half time. Uh, I think it's always going to be tricky to come back from that. Yeah, that goal in the 41st minute put it one nothing at half. Still a game that you can, you know, come back from. But the rest of the game, the Indy 11, didn't look like they're quite on all cylinders. Um, they had four yellow cards to start off the half, the second half. But then the goal in the 69th minute to put the game 2 nothing. Overall, not the best performance we've seen from the Indy 11, but again, it is against the best team in our division with Louisville. Yeah. Hopefully, we can turn things around before we see them again. Yeah, I think uh, I would say we'll get, them, we'll get them at least one more time, so um, hopefully we can, we can do what we did against them earlier on in the season and get a good result. But I think, um, speaking today, um, it was a Tuesday. I think, obviously, we play again tomorrow night. Um, I think it's a big week because we'll play teams that are in and around us in our division to try and get that fourth final playoff spot. It is a very big week and more very big month coming up for the Indy 11. The team you alluded to that we get to see tomorrow night will be down in Memphis. The Indy 11 lost 1-2 in the first meeting between these two teams this year and then drew 1-1 in the second meeting of the year. Different team from then to now for the Indy 11. We've picked up some guys. We've dropped some guys. Should We hope, keyword is hope, that the team can put together a good winning streak. Looking over at the table, Louisville still sits at first, Birmingham second, Tulsa third. I think those three teams are kind of locked into place there. Um, yeah. Four through seven is still a very tightly compacted area. Right now, OKC sitting with 31 points is sitting in fourth. The Indy 11 and Atlanta 2 United are tied at fifth with 29 points, but Atlanta would get the head-to-head um, -head matchups over us if we were both to move fourth. 
And then Memphis, the team we play tomorrow night, is very, very close at 28 before dropping down to Kansas City. Yeah, that's why I say I think it is a big week because we'll play, as you say, we'll play Memphis tomorrow and then we've got OKC back-to-back. I think we're probably going to need to have at least two wins and a draw uh, to, to stand any chance of trying to get into the playoffs still because games are running out now. So I definitely think it's a big week. Speaking of games running out between today and the end of the season on October 30th, we have eight games left. We have three games on the road between tomorrow with Memphis. This weekend, we have OKC. And the next Wednesday, we have OKC both away. Mindy 11 do not come back home until October 2nd. And then they're away again on the 10th for Birmingham. We host Louisville on the 16th. Last home game of the year will be the 23rd for Tulsa. And then we finish the year again in Memphis. Not very much time left to make up the points needed between us and Memphis. Hopefully, yeah. if it comes down to it and we do end up tying for points with Memphis, it would be nice to be able to get both of these games on Memphis. Yeah. And as they say, obviously OKC as well. Um, they're currently in the fourth spot. So that's why I think playing them um, twice back to back, we, we need ideally a result in both games, really. More importantly, and I know this will be said going into any game at um, OKC, hopefully there are no storms that knock out power for the entire night. Yeah, yeah. One of the games that obviously the reason we've got them uh, back to back is because it's the rescheduled game from what you're referring to. <laughs> so going into Oklahoma City, the next two games after Memphis, Mini Eleven had a one-one draw back on June second, then a two-one win on August fourteenth. So right now, the Indy Eleven if it would come down to a tiebreaker, is in the lead there. The Indy 11 had a 1-1 moment at half. Storms come in. Game gets delayed for about an hour or so, and then power goes out. It's decided midnight here Eastern time that we're just going to move the game to somewhere in September. And those games are now here. Yep. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that we'll play them back-to-back, considering they're uh, just ahead of us. But I suppose time will tell. Both time and how the Indy 11 play for those games will tell. Yeah. With only- I say it's, we, we, we don't play at home again until at the start of October, like you said. And it's maybe it's not a bad thing because I think we've played... We've played uh, quite well away from home at times, whereas at the mic we've struggled. Um, I know we have had two heavy defeats on the road, but in general, I think we have played quite well on the road. I think that's kind of been one thing that has been the talk of this season going through, you know, the ups and downs, is the team has been very, very strong um, on the road, apart from the 6-2 loss in Atlanta and the 4-1 loss in Loudoun. Yeah. But most of the wins for the Indy 11 have come when going into someone else's place. Here recently, the Indy 11 have gotten a little bit better at winning at Carroll Stadium, so hopefully that can continue for the only three home games that we have left in the Indy 11 season. That being said, five of the games left in the season will all be road games. It's a lot of traveling for the Indy 11. It is, yeah. Uh, just got to hope that our we can keep up some sort of away form. Because um, I don't think we can afford to lose too many of the remaining games if we stand any chance of making, a, making the playoffs. 
I think that has kind of been the thought process for many Indy 11 fans as we look towards the end of the season. We can't lose any more games. We need to get at least one point from every game we come across, and hopefully that will be the case for the final eight games. The Indy 11 had a special moment Saturday night. We brought in Matt Watson to do the cheers to Indy. And of course, Carl we met made his 100th appearance for the team. Your thoughts on both Matt Watson coming back and Carl's 100th game? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get to see the Matt Watson. Uh, the Matt Watson cheers to Indy. It wasn't broadcast uh, on, on the broadcast that I was able to get, but I did see on, on Twitter and what have you that he was there. Um, I've actually reached out to him and tried to get him to come on cue the smoke, but I haven't heard back yet. Um, and yeah, Carl Wilmette, um, he's been a very, very good player for the Indy 11 and obviously to meet 100, a very loyal servant as well. So uh, congratulations to him. Speaking of congratulations, last week the Indy 11 made a sign and a drop the Indy 11 terminated their contract with Nadelko Malic. Not a guy we really saw very much. We saw him in a couple games early on in Max Rogers' uh, tenure here. But he hasn't been on the roster, hasn't been in the 18 really recently. We brought in Liam Doyle to help the back, feet, the back four. Your thoughts on the um, acquiring of Liam Doyle? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's just... You, you obviously you, you agreed to let Malich leave a bit like what you did with Jonal Hamilton a few a few weeks back. So it was a case of um, we're a defender light on the roster, so they're going to bring somebody else in, and that's who they've opted to get. I just can't say I, I know too much about them to be honest, apart from what I've maybe read up on and seen on YouTube. But um, hopefully it's a good addition, and yeah. I still think we're possibly not replacing Hamilton was a mistake. Um, maybe there's nobody out there that they can replace them with or, or anybody of, to match the quality that he had. But I still think um, scoring goals could be a problem going forward. Well, while speaking to Josh Mason, one of the guys who kind of runs um, some of the bigger operations there at the Indy 11 Saturday, it was hinted at that we were not done signing people going into the end of the season. So maybe we do pick up a Cammy mm. Smith, Jordan Hampton replacement. That is yet to be seen. With only eight games left, it's a little hard for me to picture that, but anything can happen. Yeah. I think we should have uh, we should have P Peter Lee Vassell coming back soon. Not sure how many games he's got, how many games he's actually played for Jamaica, but hopefully he'll be back soon too. That is a piece that we have been severely missing since he did take his time out with Jamaica. Let's look at the op opponent for Wednesday's matchup. Memphis is coming off of a 3-0 win against the New York Red Bulls 2. And you can say that, yes, the red card in the 39th minute for New York hurt them. But two of the three goals came in the first 30 minutes for, the New for Memphis. So this is a team that can score fairly easily. Your thoughts on the matchup coming up Wednesday night? Yeah, I think, I see, I think it's important. Um that we're trying to pick up as many points as we can now, trying to get into that fourth playoff spot. Um, how many times did you say we've met, seen Memphis? We've we'll played Memphis twice, or we'll played Memphis once, I can't remember. Uh, but I we remember have... the, the, the beat were at the mic earlier on in the season. It was one of the earliest games. Let's say we had the 2-1 loss at the mic, where we had, I believe it was an Arteaga shot, bounce off the crossbar, go over oh, the right yes. line, bounce back out. I remember this. Never called. And then we have a 1-1 draw also at the mic back in July. 
Yeah. So it's a while ago now, and I've obviously Memphis have picked up since then. I think so. It's definitely going to be a tough game at their place. But as we said earlier, I think we've played quite all right on the road this season. So hopefully that continues. So looking once again at the table, I know we've already touched on this a bit. We have Louisville again, Birmingham again, Tulsa again. So we get to see the top three teams as we end the season. Maybe those are games they throw away. I doubt it, but hopefully they are. Yeah. My question is, with the team that we've kind of seen week in, week out, what team shows up for the final eight games? You know, is it the team that was able to go out and score three against Louisville or, you know, beat Sporting Kansas City multiple times or is it the team that lost 6-2 and 4-1 in games that we really should have won? Yeah, I think that's been the problem all season is the consistency. There just hasn't really been much of it. Um, I think in, in Max Rogers knows his best players now. Um Obviously, Artiog is going to start pretty much every game. Gordon Wiles probably going to start pretty much every game. Nicky Law definitely. Um, he seems to have settled on Gutjahr and Kofi in the middle of midfield. Um, but yeah, Nick Moon as well. It's probably my um, what I would say is a very important player because he's he's very creative and he's always good for a goal too. So definitely, he needs to be in the lineup every week. I would say. So you're naming players that have been some pretty big moments for the Indy 11. Nick Moon with his assist and a couple goals has really come in, into form. But as has been said on this show multiple times, and I'm sure has been said by other Indy 11 fans throughout the year, consistency is lacking. You know, you yeah. have one game where we go out and we play really well. And then the next game, we come out and it doesn't look like the team's clicking on all cylinders. It gets a little tough to watch as the year goes on when you have a really good game one week. And then the next game, you just fall apart. Yeah, I think that that's, that's what all the season will be put down to is just a lack of consistency. Um, whether we reach the playoffs or not. I think that's that's exactly what the the season will be labeled as the the one that what that wasn't very consistent overall. And of course, as an Indy Eleven fan, you hope that the team can pull it together and make the playoffs. But there's not much time left to do it. Let's switch over to a team that has a lot of time to turn things around and move to the playoffs: the Indianapolis Colts. Drop another one at home against an NFC West team. This time, Matthew Stafford and his Rams come into Lucas Oil and win by three. Your thoughts on that game? Uh, it's just not, it's not been a very good start for the for the Colts, has it? Um, I mean, looking at the schedule, you had two home games to open: Seahawks, Rams. Did I expect Colts to win both? No. But I expected them to win at least one of the games um, and have a one-on-one -on -one record before facing the Titans. And But unfortunately, the Colts are 0-2. The Titans won on the road at Seattle uh, Sunday night. So um, I think it's... it's. I know it's only the third game in the 17-game season, but I think it's very important, the game against Tennessee. So hopefully Carson Wentz is good to go. Otherwise, if not, I do fear for them. So you talked about that Seahawks game week one. Looked like it was going to be a really good game. You have the you know introduction of the Carson Wentz era to the Indianapolis area. Colts dropped the ball on that 28-16. That's fine. Nine years in a row of losing the first game of the year. It's not like that has much impact on the team other than morale. Going into the second game, another NFC West team, the LA Rams, come in. The kind of the same issues from the previous week. The offensive line 
not not looking like the Indianapolis Colts offensive line of recent years. The defense didn't come up and make some massive plays at all moments. Overall, not the best two-game span for the Indianapolis Colts. Not the way you want to start off the season if you're a Colts fan. And then, of course, another quarterback injury for the Colts. Once again, to Carson Wentz. Sprains both his ankles. Jacob Eason is now up since Sam Ellinger is still injured. Whew. Yeah, I mean, it's it, Carson Wentz. It, he's, he's definitely um, it's complete opposite to, to Philip, Philip Rivers the year before. And the fact that obviously he can move around the pocket, he's not afraid to, to scramble if, uh, for downs if needs be. Um, but I suppose with that comes the risk of injury. Um, and it's exactly what happened when he had that really bad uh, ankle roll towards the end of the game. He was scrambling to try and make a pass and gets tackled and twists that twists his ankle. I know they're saying that both ankles are twisted. I think I heard Frank Reg say yesterday that the, the other ankle was twisted earlier on in the game. Um, but it, it's definitely the, the the one towards the end of the game that looks the worst. And I would imagine it's going to keep him out. Hopefully not not too long. Obviously, you never want anyone, let alone your starting quarterback, being out for even more than a week. But like you said, or like Frank Wright said, Double ankle or double ankle sprain, he will most likely miss this week's game against the Titans. I'm going to take a step back. Good. No, I was going to say, I don't think he's been ruled out yet. Um, And uh, if if they're not ruling him out, then I suppose we'll just go sit and watch the injury report every day. But I cannot see him practicing until at least Thursday, like trying to get out on the field and see if he can go. Um, surely you would need at least two days practice, you would think, to see if he can test the ankle out and see if he can see if he can go. Because I don't think um, if Carson can't go and the, the, the play Eason, which is what it sounds like they would do, um, have we even got a fourth quarterback? Because as you said, Ellinger's injured, so I don't know who would be the fourth quarterback behind Eason. Um well, right now, looking at, looking at the roster, we would either have to rely on Rodrigo Blankenship <laughs> or Rigoberto Sanchez. Yeah. It may be if Carson's out for a, for a while, they could maybe try and uh, sign a, do a sign and trade or whatever it is and see if they can get a veteran quarterback on the roster just for a few weeks. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as convinced about Easton as other other Colts fans possibly are. I think looking at the um, the preseason, I was more convinced that Ellinger would be the guy if we needed him going into the season to back up for Carson Wentz. Obviously, he goes out with an injury. Jacob Beeson is now the only guy left on the roster, quarterback-wise, who isn't dealing with some sort of injury. Yeah. Doing a little bit of research to kind of reflect. Since 2012, the Colts have started 0-2 four times. And it was a four-year period from 2014 to 2017. 2014, the Colts lose to Denver. Then they lose to Philadelphia. They did pretty all right that year. They went 11-5 and made the AFC Championship game. Next three years, however, did not go that well 2015 the bit they lose to the bills they lose to the jets they sit at 500 eight and eight don't make the playoffs 2016 they lose to detroit once again we see the team losing to denver eight and eight no playoffs 2017 losing to the rams losing to the cardinals in overtime so at least it was a somewhat close game Colts ended up going 4-12 that year, obviously not making the playoffs. So obviously there's going to be a little bit of fear in the mind of Colts fans who can think back that far. But also there's the thought of 
Well, in 2014, we went 11 and 5, made it to the AFC Championship game before getting blown out by Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> much no, I, think, I, I, I don't think we can afford to go 3 and 0, um, or 0 3, sorry, um, this weekend. I think, I, I know it's only the third game, but I think it's a must win. Specifically, just for if you want to stay in touch and and try and win the division, I think you can't afford to to go zero and three. Um, it's going to be tough as it's in t- it's at Tennessee. So, not that we've played bad there in the past. I think we won there last season, but um, yeah, I think all it all hinges on Carson Wentz and um, the, the the two games that we've played so far. It, I wouldn't put the loss, the two losses on any one person. I think it's been a a, a whole team effort that's uh, resulted in losing those games. The O-line's not looked great the first few weeks. Carson Wentz constantly getting hit. Um, for some reason, the defence only seems to be a second-half defence. Um, tends to give up a lot of points, a lot of touchdowns in the, in the first half before tightening things up. Um, so, I mean, it's been a whole thing. And the, uh, as the play calling as well, um, that game on Sunday against the Rams, you, you get on the one-yard line and you, twice and you, you pick up zero points both times. Um, and it was a close game. So, just kicking a field goal on those attempts could have made the difference in winning on Sunday. But I think it was bad play calling on the coach's behalf. Those first two drives for the Colts, where they get down within five yards of the end zone. Yeah. Yes, at that point, it is kind of four down tears where you'd want to go for it. But that is at least six points that you left on the board that looking at the end of the game, that's a three point win if you make both of those. Exactly. So, like you said, play call is very. I get it. Frank Wright likes going for it on fourth down, but. We saw week one that the Colts took some opportunities on fourth down, didn't make it. I would think as a fan, but also as a coach of high school ball, take the points, get your defense back out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against going for it. That's that's one of the things I like about Frank Wright, but the fact is that they kept running the same play and it just wasn't working. Um we've got we're at the one yard line let's just get behind the O-line and get Jonathan Taylor to run straight up the gut straight up the middle and it just didn't work and he, I think they tried that three times and it didn't work so you would think they would try something a bit different and then uh, the second time um, obviously resulted in a turnover uh, Carson Wentz trying to do a shovel pass and just didn't come off um, but yeah this, that was the Got me really angry was the, the the I think it was they say the first drive and they went for it on fourth down and they just got give Jonathan Taylor the ball and tried to get him to run it straight up the middle and it just wasn't working. I think they would try something else, but they didn't. So here we are. As a coach, you would think you run the same play just twice, not even talking about three times, just twice. And you see, it's not working either time. Change it up, play action, go outside, give it to someone else, play with the defense a little bit. But like you said, four plays in a row, just Jonathan Taylor up the middle, not working, not the best play call. No. And like you say, we could have had six points if we would have kicked two field goals there and we would have won the game on Sunday, but... So I say it's it's just a whole team effort as to why we're 0-2 right now. As Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers said at one point last year, R-E-L-A-X, Colts fans. <laughs> Two games, we dropped both of them. But looking at the AFC South, we're not in too big of a panic. Houston sitting atop 1-1, Tennessee tied with them 1-1, and then us in Jacksonville sitting at the bottom 0-2. It's not yeah, like... I don't, I, I don't think... I think uh, that 
the uh, the Texans will lose more games than the win this season. So I'm not worried about the, the Jaguars and the, the Texans. It's obviously everybody said that it would be between the Colts and the Titans who would win the AFC South. So that's why I think this weekend we can't afford to lose against them. At this point, you can't afford to lose many games early on in the season as we kind of saw what that what happened with that for the Indy 11. Yeah. At least it's not a we're the Atlanta Falcons, we're 0-2, and Tampa and Carolina are both sitting at 2-0. Yeah. The AFC South is still somewhat tight of a division with the top team only being 1-1. One one. Taking a look around the NFL this week, Washington had that thriller Thursday night. Bears beat the Bengals. Browns beat the Texans. Not sure if that was a surprise at all. Um, Bills over the Dolphins. Patriots get rolling 25-6 on the Jets. The Titans finish it off in overtime against the Seahawks, which I'm sure I that was one of the games I didn't watch specifically because I was at work, but also I don't watch much of Titans football. And then, of course, no, I, was, I was watching the I did watch some of the second half of that game. Um, obviously, it was late over here um, when it started, so I didn't watch it all. But when I, when I was watching it, the, the Seahawks looked like they were in control. So when I woke up the following morning and checked the scores to see that the Titans had won, I was quite shocked, to be honest. See, that was one of those games that just looking back through Twitter uh, that night, there was people complaining about a safety that the Titans should have had on Russell Wilson that was not called, a touchdown from Julio Jones, also not called. So... Looking, you know, the Titans look like they could be a very dangerous team with, you know, Derrick Henry running for 182 yards and three touchdowns. Tannehill had 347 yards throwing. Um, so the team looked pretty good um, in that late run to beat Seattle. And then, of course, Denver beating Jacksonville. Not sure what's going on down there with Urban Meyer and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think for Jacksonville, it was always going to be a growing, like a growing year. Uh, obviously, new quarterback, uh, new coach, new head coach. It was always going to be a growing year, and uh, let's not get started on on the Texans. I think it's just a mess, <laughs> isn't it? You've got you've got the. The, the quarterback that they did have at the weekend is now injured and they're still um, refusing to activate um, what's he called? Uh, Deshaun Watson. Watson. Yeah, they're still refusing to activate him. It's just a shame because he is very talented to be sitting in, in, in Houston and not, not playing. It is understandable why they are not activating him, but at the same time, he's not on the exempt lift. He's on uh, the commissioner's exempt list. He's in physical condition to play. Yes, there's all the allegations going on, but if he's eligible to play, I don't see why you wouldn't start him. No, and I think that did they not get loads of trade offers in the summer as well, like before the season? Um, the but the, they just didn't want to take any of the offers. Surely. If you, if you knew you had no intention of playing him, you would just take the best offer and that's it, cut ties and move on. That, <laughs> that's kind of been my thought process the entire summer was, you know, you have these, these three, four first-round picks and a player or so um, that teams are offering up. Why wouldn't you, you know... Deshaun, we drafted you. We've got a new GM. We've got a new head coach. We don't, you know, we would like to part ways for whatever reason yeah. you want to bring up. Um, yeah, I think he want he wanted to leave as well, or he still maybe wants to leave, but I don't know what's going on there. I'm not sure. Right now, 
Houston is a mess. Tyrod Taylor looked really good in his first game. Gets hurt. No idea who the third string quarterback is, or I guess second string quarterback is. So I'm I'm gonna tape off Houston. We'll figure them out later. Yeah, I'm more worried about figuring out what the Colts are gonna do week three against the Titans. Yeah, I mean, I think you see you mentioned Julio Jones, AJ Brown, uh, Derrick Henry. It, we've we've coped we've coped with them before. Um, obviously, Julio Jones wasn't there last season, but we've coped with the Titans before. We won there last season. Um, I'm not. It's not too worried if the defense can step up and in both halves and do a decent job. Um, it's it's offensively. I'm worrying. It, obviously, depending on the health of Carson. Um, for Sunday. I think looking at the um, stats for both teams so far this season, yes, we've only had two games. Um, the Colts have had just 20 points per game. The Titans have had 23 points per game. But I think the bigger um, the bigger thing to look at is the points allowed. The Colts are only at 27.5 points allowed for both games, which isn't too terribly bad. Titans are at 34 points allowed per game. So and it's kind of the same thing when you look at total yards versus yards allowed. The Colts are at 372.5 for yards that they've accumulated throughout the year. Tennessee's at 431 yards allowed, 386.5 for the Colts, 422.5 for the Titans. So looking at the two, they look like two very evenly set up teams going into this week three matchup. Looking at the injury report for both teams, and of course, this is Tuesday. You know, you still have three, four days before any of these are going to be set in stone. For the Colts, you have Carson Wentz, who's questionable. Paris Campbell's questionable. Xavier Rhodes and Brain Smith, both questionable. And then you look over at Tennessee. They have a guard, an offensive tackle, a tight end, a corner, and a linebacker, all questionable. But again... It's Tuesday. You have the rest yeah. of the week to figure out who's going to play, who's not going to play. Yeah, I think by the time Thursday comes around, you can usually tell um, whether, obviously, on the Colts' injury report anyway, it tells you whether they've been limited or full, pra full practice. I think you can usually tell by Thursday who, who's, who's probably going to make it and who's not. And I think for the Colts, I think we could really do with seeing Xavier Rhodes back um, and definitely Braden Smith as well. I think at this point, any part of our offensive line that could come back would be great. Any part of our defense who has been a big, you know, who's made big plays for us in the past year, um, that will also be great. Looking at kind of the week three lineup for the NFL, Thursday night, Panthers, Texans. Obviously, as a fan of the Colts, I'm wanting the Panthers to win. But just yeah. an NFL fan in general, I don't see how the Panthers don't win this game. I mean, yeah. they went out against a very good um, New Orleans Saints team that held the Packers to three points. And they held them to 125 yards total offense. So I don't I don't see a way that the Panthers lose this game, but worse has happened. Obviously, you have the Colts and Titans at one o'clock on Sunday. Also, in that one o'clock spot, you have Chargers Chiefs. That should be a good game. Um, Bengals Steelers at one o'clock. Moving on to the Four o'clock time frame. Not very, it's Jets Broncos or um, Dolphins Raiders at four o five. I think the four twenty five games are a little bit more interesting. You have Seattle and Minnesota, but you also have Tampa Bay and L.A. Rams. I think that game should be one very good game. Sunday night you have the Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers. and then coming up next Monday. Eagles Cowboys, not a, um, not quite the game I would want to watch. Um, 
since neither team is, you know, my team. Yeah, it's not and, it's not a great it's not a great division that one. I was gonna say if it's anything like the NFC East of last year, I um I will slowly turn on the game if the Manning brothers are doing their broadcast of that game. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you been able to get the Manning brothers doing Monday night football? Um, I haven't watched any of it, no, but I have seen clips, clips of it, and it, it does look very funny. Um, so yeah, I have I did see I didn't see last night. Um, but I did see the previous Mondays, uh, some clips of them on the on that on the Monday night football. When we get into the season when I heard that the Manning brothers were doing their own broadcast of the game, I wasn't quite sure what it was. I thought they were actually taking Peyton and Eli flying them to the Monday night game, dropping them in a studio, and letting them have at it. But the at-home feel, they bring in a guest every quarter, except for last night because they're having internet issues with Brett Favre. Um, it's a very – it's an awesome concept, and I'm, you know, I'm all on board for it, um, especially when you have a game – like last weekend's game or last Monday's game with um, Oakland and Baltimore. And of course, just like everything else that starts off new, they're going to get the hang of it. And I think, you know, already just in week two, they looked really, really good and sounded really, really good on the game. Um, It'd be good if they could do it, if the Colts got a Monday night game. I think that would be quite cool. I was going to say, I'm hoping at some point in the season, I don't think um, the Colts have one, but it would be nice that the Colts do have a Monday night game just to be able to hear Peyton and Eli cover the Colts game. Um, yeah. I know that makes it a little bit harder over there for you to watch that game since that is a very late night um, on Monday. Yeah. But I would, I'd still do it. I'd, I don't, the rumor is the rumor going around is I don't sleep, so <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> The, I again, I'm pretty sure all of our games are Sundays. No, week five, Baltimore, Indianapolis is a Monday night. Oh, well, hopefully that'll be that'll be the Manon Brothers I on, hope it on is. the commentary for that. Uh, and that is the only Monday game. So looking at Kind of how the roster is doing going into this. Carson Wentz, 498 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Not a bad start line um, starting off the year for Carson Wentz. Jonathan Taylor, 32 attempts, only 107 yards. That's a little bit frightening to me. Um, Michael Pittman, 11 receptions, 152 yards. Jack Doyle, eight receptions, 85 yards. Overall, not super powerhouse. Um, not a very super powerhouse offense at the moment when you look at it. No, I think um, T.Y. Hilton's missing, isn't he? I think um, d definitely getting him back hopefully sooner rather than later. They, they, haven't, they didn't put a time scale on it, um, but I'm hoping it's going to be sooner rather than later because I think our record with him in the team is far far better when we, he was when he's not in the team. I think we've won once when Ty Hilton's been not been in the team. Yeah, um, I, so. I, I think that was the tweet I did see this weekend that the Colts are one and twelve. I think when yeah. Ty Hilton is not on the field. I, yeah, it was it was something like that. Yeah. So which uh, it's, uh, for most of his career makes sense. There wasn't really any other receivers that at the moment Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett could throw to. But now hopefully with Pittman and Pascal and Campbell and all the receivers that the Colts have, hopefully, well, I would say hopefully it doesn't make that big of an impact, but two games into the season, you're kind of seeing a uh, very different Colts team to what we were expecting going into the season. Oh, jumping back over to the Indy 11, just to kind of, you know, 
I know we've kind of killed the horse on this one, but um, the Wednesday match in Memphis, Sunday match, OKC, Wednesday match, OKC. That's the last Wednesday weekend, Wednesday game of the season. And after the second OKC game, it's all Saturdays. Lineup should stay the same. You would think going into the final five games of the season, all being on Saturdays. Yeah, um, I say with the, the he's 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 been using the more or less the same lineup uh, last few weeks. Maybe he's changed one or two players, but the majority of it's been um, a consistent lineup. So the fact that he hasn't got any midweek games after this week, he'd probably stay that way, to be honest. That is the hope for the rest of the season, that you can kind of keep the same lineup. Not that changing lineups is terrible, but at this point in the season, we've kind of seen what changing lineups can do for the team. Um, obviously, can't wait to have Peter Lee back so we can kind of fill out the roster. Um, just like we saw with um, Neville Hackshaw when he was gone, it was kind of hard to fill in that spot. Granted, we have other midfielders that can do roughly the same job that Peter did, but that is still one less person you have to be able to rotate in to get a fresh pair of legs. Um Speaking of Neville Hackshaw, he did get man of the match this week for the for Louisville game. Obviously, um, not a big surprise there. Not having any points, you know who then is the had the best performance. I think Neville Hackshaw did a uh, a really good job on Saturday against Louisville. Yeah, I don't think you could really pick anybody else. And nobody, no other players really stood out against Louisville on Saturday. Uh, yeah, on Saturday for me. So, yeah, Hackshaw winning, it's no surprise, really. So, going into a little bit more depth, looking at the Memphis game. So far, through 24 games, the Indy 11 is aver or averaging 1.21 points per game. Um. 1.46 goals against them. Speaking of, you know, how good they were at home and away, they were 4-6-2 and two at home with a 1.17 points per game at Carroll Stadium, 4-5-3 and three away with 1.25 points per game. So definitely a kind of better away team than a home team, which is kind of hard for me, and I'm sure for fans who are at games, because, you know, you always, when you go to games, you want to see your team do well. So it's hard to see, you know, your team go off and play better away. But, of course, you want to see your team win a lot of games. Looking over at Memphis, they're averaging 1.27 points per game, um, 1.27 goals against. So not, you know, a big difference, not even any difference there. Uh, they are three, four, and two at home, averaging one point two two points, and four, four, and five away, averaging one point three one. Not too terrible of a uh, preview. Looks to be a very average game. Memphis only having twenty two games. They're going to have more games throughout the rest of the season than any other team. So hopefully. Indy 11 can finish both games off with them with wins and then, of course, finish off the rest of the year staying above Memphis since they do have more games going through September and October than any other team in the USL. Yeah. Just looking at some of the... Um, Major stats for both teams. The leading scorer for the Indy 11, Manuel Arteaga, with seven goals. After that, a guy that we no longer have, Jordan Hamilton, has five, and then Nick Moon has three. Looking over at Memphis, Kyle Murphy, 13 goals. Michael Salazar, three goals. And then we have two goals from another, from a midfielder. 
assists. Nick Moon, Gordon Wild leading the charge there with four. Artiaga has two. And then it's the same across with Memphis, four, two, and two. This is a game that could go really um, either way. You look at the last five head-to-head -head games between Indy and Memphis. Um, back in 2019, Indy 11 won twice. Both times was a 3 nothing win. Back in March of 2020 was a 4-2 win for Indy. Both games this year not scoring double or scoring more than one goal for Indy. And, of course, that early loss to Memphis at home. Hopefully the team can turn around not just their performances against Memphis, but, of course, the big loss from Saturday against Louisville. Again, Indy fans, the Indy 11 have three away games this Wednesday with Memphis, this coming Sunday at OKC, followed up by OKC again on Wednesday. The Indy 11 return home October 2nd to play Atlanta. Your other Indianapolis team, your Colts, travel to Tennessee this weekend to take on the Titans. That is a kickoff scheduled for 1 o'clock. The Colts will then, then have three away games in a row. October 3rd, they'll be in Miami. Monday, October 11th, they'll be in Baltimore. We won't see the Colts back here in Indianapolis again until October 17th when they host the Texans. Hopefully by then the Colts can have a much better record. Hopefully sitting at 3-2 and two come the time Texans walk into Indianapolis, but you never know with the Colts. Tom, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would like to talk about? Uh, no, I think we covered a lot, uh, both Indy 11 and Colts, which obviously was the main two games this weekend just gone. So, say so not any um, other than the Carson Wentz injury, not any news coming from either team. Um, granted, that's only happened once for me with the Jordan Hamilton news coming when I was recording with Amanda, but. Nothing surprising there. We do have some NBA apps, uh, action happening tomorrow night. The Pacers will play the Wizards. I'm, I don't think this is regular season yet. I think it's just more some more preseason games. But the NBA is coming back soon, so we're also going to have them to talk about very, very soon. Tom, I want to thank you for coming back onto the show today. Not much of a conversation other than can the Colts start winning games? Can the Indy 11 start winning games? So thank you again, Tom. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Well, guys, that is it for this episode of the Sports Crossroads Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Sports Crossroads Podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook at the Sports Crossroads Podcast Facebook page. If you're interested in helping out the show in any way, whether it's joining or anything else, you can email us at the sportscrossroadspod at gmail.com. I'll make sure to get that out a little bit better on Twitter. Thank you all for listening, and thank you, Tom, for joining me. I will let you hear me in the next episode. See you guys.